0: So as you know, throughout the summer, we have been doing a sermon series uh, going through the book of Romans, using the book of Romans to discuss sort of those foundational elements of our faith, the foundational elements of what we believe and, and how we enact that belief. Um, and so we've been doing that through the summer, but we have sort of a series within a series this week, next week, the week following, three week mini series. Uh, Tom Tool, who is preaching in the traditional service and who you will get to meet here in the contemporary service next week, Tom Tool and I are doing this shorter series within Romans talking about what it is that is most important for us to remember, what we cannot forget. Those things, as we look in Romans 7 and 8, those things that are essential to who we are called to be as people of faith. So, uh, starting this week and over the next two weeks, you'll see that we'll be talking specifically about those things that are important for us to remember. Uh, Before I read the scripture passage for today... I just wanna give a little mention. We're talking about sin. You'll notice over the last few weeks that sin has been something that's been a central element to the scripture stories. Uh, And sin always messes us up a little bit. Uh, We don't like to talk about it. And because we don't like to talk about it, we don't know how to talk about it. And so then when we do talk about it, no one really knows what anyone is trying to say. And so I just wanna say, as we reference sin, in the sermon this week and in the weeks ahead, that uh, I want to make it clear, we're not talking about um, how you vote or who you marry or uh, what you did on Friday night. That's, that's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about sin. When we reference sin in our sermon today and in our time together, we're talking about the thing the force within us and within the world that causes us to miss the mark of who God is calling us to be. That's all. Uh, Specifics are, are, are not important. We are talking about that force that leads us to diverge from that bullseye that God has called us to hit. So when you hear sin, if you think, Oh my gosh, I don't know what she's talking about. Or if you think you get distracted thinking about someone else's sins or your own sins, just relax. We'll talk about it more. We're all in it together. Um, Why don't we get to the scripture? Our passage for today comes from Romans 7, verses 14 through 25. This is Paul. He says this For we know that the law is spiritual but I am of the flesh, sold into slavery under sin. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh." I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want and the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want, when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God and my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then... With my mind, I am a slave to the law of God, but with my flesh, I am a slave to the law of sin. Friends, please join your hearts with mine as we pray. God, we need you. We need you present. In this moment now, in our lives today, in what is to come, and in understanding what has been. Please pour out your wisdom. Illuminate our hearts so that we might understand you better today than we did yesterday, so that we might have more courage to align who we are with who you call us to be. Though we are imperfect people, Lord, We know that it is by through weak vessels that you make your greatness and your glory known. So we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want you to think with me really quick. Do you have a memory of a moment in your life when you realized that your best was just not going to be enough. Can you recall a time when you had done everything? You could prepare, you could train, you could equip yourself for the task. A time when you brought your purest of intentions and you drew from your greatest well of strength, but then found yourself faced with circumstances that looked at all of your efforts and just swept them aside? When we read our passage for today, written by the Apostle Paul, I think that that feeling of having our greatest efforts effortlessly overcome by an opposing force is part of what Paul is writing about. In our passage for today, Paul is talking about how even though he brings his best intentions to his life and to faith, even though he knows what to do and how to do it, his greatest efforts are often run down by the systemic nature of sin that operates in the world around him. And that operates within his own heart too. In our passage for today, he's talking about how this dysfunction that we all continue to live in today is too pervasive, too established as the system to be a match for our individual willpower and personal strength He's saying that we cannot conquer sin. We cannot overcome the system on our own. But he doesn't tell us all of this to dishearten us or to shame us or to beat us down in any way. Paul is talking about our human failures and our limitations to illustrate good news The good news being that especially in the moments where we feel like we have to have it all figured out on our own, where we feel like it's either sink or swim, that every answer rests on our shoulders, the good news is that we were never intended to do this alone. Paul tells us all about his failures in trying to get it all right so that we will hear the good news that we were never intended to live without God. We were never intended to do it by ourselves. At the start of our passage today, and believe me, I had to read that passage several times to make sure I wasn't going to mess up reading it in front of you all today. It's not an easy one to really get through. I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I do and evil does and I don't and I get it. It's it's not easy. But at the start of our passage for today, Paul begins with two things that he knows for sure. That he knows that the law is spiritual and that he knows that he as a human is not spiritual. So, put another way, Paul is saying that he knows that God is God and that he is not. Paul's reasoning goes that because Paul is not God, Paul needs the law to teach him about God. The message interprets our passage for today like this It says, I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I am not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes. I'm full of myself, Paul says. And yet, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So, if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. He can't figure it out alone. And so he's saying something here that we have talked about before and we'll probably no doubt talk about it again. God's law was always intended to be good news for humanity because God's law was always intended to teach humanity, to teach us about what is important to God with the intention that if once we knew what was important to God and once we knew what God values then we would be fully comfortable around God because we would know what God was expecting. And so we could approach God without any insecurities or without any skepticism. And we would get rid of any distance that existed between us and God. In Paul's understanding, knowing the law is supposed to help us know God. And the truth is, that very few people knew the law better than Paul. Paul describes himself in Acts 23 as a Pharisee who is the son of Pharisees. He was highly educated, highly respected. He was zealous about every last little thing. He wanted to be the most faithful to the law, to the point that he was willing to kill other people so that no one could dispute the length that he would go to be faithful for the law. If anyone wanted to be the best at knowing the law, then Paul was the man to beat. And so if he, the reasoning goes that if one, the one who knows the law the best is also the one who knows God the best, then who knew God better than Paul? And yet, Paul says here, and I quote via the message, so if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. I need to know the law to know God. But Paul says, turns out, I need something more. For I know the law, but I still can't keep it. And if the power of sin within me keeps me sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I will it, says Paul, but I can't do it. Friends, do you hear what Paul is saying? This Pharisee of Pharisees, this man who was educated by the best of people, in the best of places, to know the law better than everybody else, who therefore knew God better than everybody else, needed more. He's gone to the greatest extent of his ability, Paul has. And he's found that he can't get there alone. I know I've been given all that I should need, Paul says, but I need more. There's something about that sentiment that really sticks with me. I wonder, have you ever experienced that feeling of doing absolutely everything within your ability, but realizing that even though you've given it your all and even though you have all that you need, you still need something more? I remember feeling that way, but it made me realize that The people that I think experience that feeling the most are kids. Do any of you remember what it felt like to be a kid where someone has told you what to do and explained very clearly how to do it and given you all the instructions and the tools that you need to get it done and yet you still find yourself feeling clueless? It's been my experience that kids are pretty good at bringing their best self to a task, particularly if that task is an important, mature adult task. But sometimes, even when they are given all that they need to get it done, they still need more. Sometimes they just need someone who's bigger to do it alongside them. When I was 16, I was diagnosed with this lower back issue. I tried a lot of different treatments in order to address it, but ultimately, we determined that the best way to manage it was just through regular exercise. Fast forward half a lifetime and two kids later, around the time that I was 30, I found myself in the best shape of my life. I was stronger and leaner than I was in high school. I was objectively athletic, the only time in my life I can probably claim that and not be accused of being haughty. Each week, I was doing kickboxing, boot camps, soccer, Pilates. I had done triathlons and 10Ks and half marathons, and I was signed up to do my second half marathon when only a week or so before the race, my back went out. So I went to the doctor who then sent me to a physical therapist, common root for me, who made me do these piddly little exercises on this padded bench while he just watched and adjusted me here and there. And I remember saying to him incredulously the first couple of times I visited, I just don't understand why this is happening now. I'm in the best shape of my life. To which he responded by saying to me, Well, it turns out that your best just wasn't good enough. And as my face fell from the bewilderment of how I could possibly be in this situation, as it fell from that into the devastating realization that even my best wasn't good enough to keep me out of this situation. He went on talking and said, we'll just have to get you to be better than your best. And I know it was just a silly little comment that he had probably said to dozens of other patients before me, but I got to tell you, I've never forgotten it. Partly because a piece of me had expected him to say something else. I had expected him to say some version of, well you getting old, you just have to start taking it easy. You were pushing yourself too much. I was expecting him to give me some sort of version of, you just can't have as much as you want, lady. But he didn't say that. He didn't tell me that what I wanted was too much. He told me that what I wanted was too little. will just have to get you to be better than your best. It shifted this perspective that I had inside of me and it changed these two major assumptions that I have been operating off of, but not paying attention to. Number one, the first assumption it changed was the assumption that I alone could get whatever was the best for myself. And the second assumption was that I alone could imagine what the best really was. In that moment, those assumptions, they just melted away into this new reality that actually there was this whole plane of existence and experience that was well beyond the best I could ever imagine. And I couldn't get there alone. I really think that that kind of a perspective is something that's under this thing that Paul is saying in our scripture passage for today. When Paul is saying this, I do what I don't do and I don't do what I want to do and all of that, I don't think that he's intending that to be some sort of self-berating, I'm such a loser, I can't get anything right. I think that really what Paul is realizing in our passage for today is that his best just doesn't match with God's best. His best and God's best are two completely different things. They're not parallel. They're unlevel. What was the best physical shape that I could imagine for me wasn't enough to stop my back from going out. Similar to me on that therapy table, I think Paul is baffled that his best has landed him in this spot. He talks to God, he's laying out all of his incredulity to which I imagine that God is looking at him with that same knowing face that my physical therapist gave me that day we hear it coming up in the next part of our passage where Paul goes on saying, I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do that anyway. My decisions such as they are don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every single time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? He asks himself. To which he answers his own question. In response to that knowing face of God. The answer thank God is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all of my heart and my mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Friends, in the Western world, And I gotta say, in San Marino in particular, it is really easy to live off of the assumptions that the best we can imagine is actually the best there ever is. It's easy to live off of the assumption, particularly here, that we alone can imagine and achieve that best. In our lives here, it's easy for us to assume that this really is the best it gets. It can be hard for us to imagine more beyond our own ability to achieve it because if there was something better then I could have gotten it. And so today, I think Paul just wants us to remember, I just want us to remember that God has more imagined for us than we can ever conceive. And we can't get there by being the best that we can imagine, nor can we get there by being just good people, nor can we get there by being even the best of people. There is something so much greater for us, and we can't get there alone. Because, my friends, we need God to get there. We are just going to have to get you better than your best. But my friends, you and me, we can't do this on our own. We need more than what we have, and we need someone else to give that to us. We need someone else to stand next to us and show us the way. So, don't forget, this week, there is better than our best that is being offered to us every moment of every day. I really want to experience that. Don't you? I want that for us together. Which is why I don't want us to forget Just how much we need Jesus. I don't want us to forget because I want us to get there together.